Are you in a band or a person in the events industry? Do you need top-of-the-line front-of-house audio? Or just an extra hand setting up your concert, school function, or event? Harmon Shoulders AV Tech provides front-of-house live audio, monitor engineering, small rentals, stagehand services, and more. Visit CarmenShouldersAVTech.com today for a quote or for more information. Carmen Shoulders AV Tech. Great sound, hard work, any budget. You are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Horror news. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Movie reviews. It's got a death curse. And all the gory details. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Listen if you dare. <laughs> And hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Maria and JR. How's everyone doing? Doing great. It's gloomy outside, so it's almost fall weather, so I love it. Ooh, I'm ready for fall weather. It's kind of sucked having, you know, summer here for so long. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready for the sweater weather where it's all comfortable outside, do bonfires, get projector out, watch a movie. So I'm I'm all there for it. Oh, yeah. And how are you, JR? How are you guys? (laughs) <laughs> Why? it's it's 10 40 a.m west coast time as we're recording this on sunday september 6th labor day weekend and by the end of today it's going to be 110 degrees in my city bright ass sun still smoggy because of the unfortunate all the horrible wildfires that we've had over the last two weeks in the state of california and I just got an alert saying, like, hey, uh, you need to conserve your energy because we may have to start, like, shutting down your guys' powers and flex off to conserve energy if you don't. Dang! Wow. wow. California has a lot of good things, but one of the bad things is how much energy we consume and how they are electricity bills. And they straight up tell us, like, if you guys don't conserve energy, we're going to have to start doing, like, power grid shutoffs one by one. Jesus. That's- it happened some years ago. I can't remember when. But they, they basically say, like, if, if we start running out of power of the state's power grid, like, we will literally just cut off your power and just go through, uh, I can't remember, it's called rolling blackouts is what the, the term is. Yeah. I didn't even know they still did that. It was a huge issue, like, a few days ago because, like, some PG&E had said it, and the governor, Gavin Newsom, was like, oh, no, fuck that. Like, you guys better not do this shit or, you know, whoop somebody's ass. But, <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's... I don't know how necessary versus unnecessary it is, but mm-hmm. we're going through a heat wave and where I live, I mean, it's not as bad as Vegas or Phoenix, but the other thing too is the populations they have in those states is nowhere near the population that we have in the state of California. And we use so much energy consumption for everything and our bills like here, my summer bill living in a two bedroom two bedroom one bath condo for the last month was like two hundred and thirteen dollars. Wow. And I'm over here cold and my house is freezing. It's like 70 degrees with no air on right now. I lower the temperature to sleep and have fans on, but during the day it's set at 78 as lowest. Oh, wow. In Alabama, it's like our weather is so either one or the other. We hardly ever get fall here. It's always either summer or winter. <laughs> and like there's no in between. It won't get like, it won't drop into like the 70s and 80s until sometime in like late, late October. Yeah. Last year for Halloween, I think it was like 90 degrees. 
Oh, we had a freeze advisory and they canceled Halloween because it started snowing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like thinking my niece and nephew trick or treating and it's like 90 degrees. I'm like, man, this just isn't like how it used to be. When I was a kid trick or treating, it felt like fall yeah, on Halloween. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's, I mean, Chicago is like no shyness when it comes to Halloween. It's either you're like, you're with your outfits, you get like two sizes bigger because you usually put your jacket underneath there because yeah. it's freezing all the time in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, there was one year, like on my birthday, which is like December 2nd, it was like 70 something degrees. So, like, yeah, I went outside and had like got a pinata and did the grill because it never happens, yeah. you know? So, like, I took advantage. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say that it was like 70 something degrees in December in Chicago, but yeah, let alone I took advantage of it. Well, let's get into some news topics. The first news I have, this is one that I think Maria will like. There is a book coming out October 6th, and it's being released by Skyhorse. It's called The Science of Stephen King, and it's supposed to dive into the truth behind Pennywise, Jack Torrance, Carrie, Cujo, and all the other iconic characters from Stephen King. That's nice. I love that. I, I really want to go on his Marilyn like trip to they have my friend just went on it where you go to all the iconic places and movies that have been filmed out there so i'm like i'm super jealous it's like a list of 12 or 14 different stops like even has like the drain and things like that from it but like yeah i've i've seen this book i saw that it was coming out um yeah i'm probably gonna pick it up because i'm shamelessly in love with stephen king characters yeah i'll definitely pick this one up it looks like it'd be a fun read I got nothing to add. I'm not, I don't read. I'm not a big reader. Shut <laughs> up. My heart just hurts. Wow. Okay? You just like blatantly said that I don't read. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I've always, I had this running joke that if it's good enough to be a book, they'll make it into a movie. Wow. <laughs> The movie versions of books usually are, like, trash, though. They are. I think the only books I ever read that became movies was uh, Charlie the Chocolate Factory and The Godfather. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to just hang up your call. <laughs> <laughs> I have very little patience and to get through a book, especially the, the size of a Stephen King book. is just not there. When the TV show Under the Dome came out, I the first few seasons, I was, like, in love with it. I am like, I'm going to buy this book. I bought the book, and I got it in the mail, and I was like, well, that's going on the fucking shelf. Yeah. It balances out your table when it gets a little leaning. <laughs> Put it right underneath there. It's a table stop. It's, it's, in, the, it's in our school library at, in our office, because that's where we left it. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. I, I definitely encourage reading. It makes, better people, makes everybody better, but I read too much in college to continue reading. Wow, JR. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, yeah, shot as fired. Like, as like a big Harry Potter fan, the books absolutely destroy the movies in, in every aspect. I just don't even know what to say to you. Like, oh, I'm going to throw several books at you. Where's Leva Bates and Peter Avalon, dude? We need to go find you. <laughs> How is JR going to be all on a podcast with a librarian and just flat out say that? I just don't. I don't. It's not for me. So you what, just you say, JR, hey, I'm JR, and I really enjoy reading. <laughs> <laughs> that should just be the that line. Book, that book sounds like a lot of fun. I'll definitely pick it up. <laughs> The generic answer. <laughs> Support your public library. You know what the worst thing is? He's a teacher, so he probably tells people to read stuff. And I'm just like, how can you, though? <laughs> how can you justify that? When you're in school, you need to read. No. So when you're taking no. my class, you better read that textbook. I can Google that. <laughs> you can't Google the way I teach. Shots fired. I'm coming with you. <laughs> 
Yeah, JR, you're a professor. If a story's good enough, they'll make a movie about it. Is that how you feel about what you teach? Do you just show You should movies? see the production value of my classroom. <laughs> it is a movie. <laughs> Those poor kids. Well, moving on. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have sympathy for any kid that takes my class. <laughs> well, moving on so we don't bury JR even more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the upcoming Friday the 13th collection from Scream Factory. Before you ask, of course, I've already pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it back when it got first announced in like June. I've been waiting for this, so it comes out. It comes out in October. Friday Thirteenth Part Two in that collection is gonna have new unearthed, uncut gore footage. Apparently, in Part Two, there was 48 seconds of footage that was cut out, and this footage is gonna include a bloodier ice pick from Alice's death, a longer, more gruesome wire death for Crazy Ralph. Bloodier deaths for the police officer via claw hammer and Scott who gets his throat slashed and an alternate version of Mark's death featuring a brief moment with Jason's machete going into his face and an alternate final shot of Pamela's severed head. So, nice. That's a lot. That's oh, a yeah. lot of stuff, man. That's a lot of differences there. That's, that's good. For, for 48 seconds. I feel like 48 seconds isn't a lot, but then like I'm reading all this that's included. I'm like, wow. <laughs> that's way more than 48 seconds. That's impactful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I, as soon as that got announced, bought that day one. It comes out in October, and I could not be more excited. I'm happy I, I ordered it, too, because I think it was like $150 or something like that. Probably and, taxes. I have it right here as 133 before. Oh, 133 yeah. And like right now on eBay, there's already people trying to sell theirs before it's even come out for like hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's a lot of money. That's as bad as the Avengers and Marvel set. I think that was like three hundred yeah. bucks or something for all the oh, movies. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you get into horror collecting, Jr. can tell you too because I got him into collecting Halloween stuff. It's fun and addicting, but it is so expensive, especially if you really start getting into it and you want to get more of the rare stuff that maybe is not around that you can only find out like cons and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. It's a pretty penny. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous how much money that people put into it you know for example i started collecting the neko halloween figures that were released this year and or neko i'm sorry and i have the laurie strode and michael myers from the halloween 2018 and michael myers from halloween 2 but i always thought about collecting them for a while and some of the figures that i should have got you know at one point was 30 dollars and now are you know resell for over 300 dollars and I've seen it in DVDs and Blu-rays where the sets are for 100 and now they're being resold for 500. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge market for it. And for this Blu-ray for $133 a set, if somebody bought two of them and sit on it for like five or six years, I completely been seen it being resold for over $600. Yeah, that's a lot. That's so much money. It adds up real quick, but I mean, like you said, some of this stuff is either like they don't they don't make those things anymore. There's also uh, the latest Scream movie got a release date for, and this is kind of concerning, for January 2022. To me, it's fine that they're waiting until 2022 to release it. That gives time for, you know, production and stuff. And with the pandemic, you're not really sure how things can go. But in the past, it seems that January is a release date for horror movies that people don't really have high hopes for. I didn't know there was a trend with that. Yeah, there's been some that have been really good in January, but it also seems like January is a time to release horror movies when you're not really sure. 
How do y'all feel about it being called Scream instead of Scream 5? I know we saw the sequel to Halloween called Halloween, but I mean, <laughs> is Scream 5 just being called Scream? It's it's a reboot, though, right? No, it's Scream 5, I'm pretty sure. They're calling it a reboot. Oh, are they calling it a reboot? They're, they're calling it, like, this article says Scream 5 confirms release for the Star Study reboot. Like, they're. Oh. But it's so, weird, though, because it's like. Is it a reboot in the sense of like you're saying we're picking it up? Yeah. Again, but in a different in a in a different direction. So like it, maybe like after the events of well, no, that's gonna be freaking weird. Yeah, like so maybe after the events of Scream Three and you completely negate Scream Five. I'm assuming Scream Four. Yeah, um, see from from my my perspective, ever since it's been speculated that this is happening and they started announcing everybody, it seemed like they were just doing a sequel to Scream Four. I don't know. I'm confused. Now. Yeah, because I thought that was just another, you know, another installment. But yeah. now I'm confused if it's a reboot. And that makes me more concerned if it is a reboot. And it's like you said, with the January date, then I don't know. When you think of horror films, it's like, when would you release the, a horror film? Like what month? October. So I think when you look at it, you have essentially four Fridays in October for you to release a movie. So if you're a studio and... If you're releasing a, you know, let's say you're releasing two horror films. And so it's like, well, maybe you would release one in October if you're like, let's say if it's The Purge, for example. Like, well, yeah. you make sure you release them in October. But if you have a second one, the last thing you would want to do is compete against it. So you'd want to find a, another opening date. And when you think about potential opening dates, you're definitely don't want to release a film during November to December because that's typically when you see like family films like from Disney or Star Wars. But you yeah. also don't want to release it during the months of May through August because those are your big like your Fast and the Furious, your your Marvel movies and things like that are also released. So typically between January, February, March and like the month of September it's kind of like a down period in films because everybody goes back to school or school's in session. So I, I could venture, I could understand them because Paramount Films is releasing this next one. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see like, what do they have planned for, let's say October of next year to re- be released. Yeah. Which also, you know, supposedly Halloween Kills is going to be released in next year in October. So that would make us assume that the other one, Halloween Ends, is going to release October of 2022, probably. So maybe that's why maybe Scream didn't want to compete with with Halloween in the same month. Well, looking at the 2022, just the listings, I mean, it's stacked. We have everything from like Matrix 4, The Flash with Ben Affleck coming back with Michael Keaton and all all that hype, Black Panther, Door. Um, this is show Screen 5, um, Doctor Strange, Shazam, um, James Cameron's Avatar 2, Aquaman 2, John Wick 4. Like, there's a huge listing of projects that are already slated. They have not been pushed back. They were already slated for that, that year. But yeah, Halloween Ends is showing for that, that month. But I don't know. Like, I never felt like there was ever competition with Halloween movies if they came out close to each other. I felt like that just gives people like us more of a reason to be excited for September, October, you know what I mean? And even August, Um, because what uh, it came out in September, both years that they came out and they they did perfectly fine at the box office too. Um, And it was like the, I think it was Labor Day weekend, uh, like week that it came out. So I don't know. 
Well, we'll have to, yeah. we just have to wait and see. Pulled up uh, October 21, 2021 release, and according to this, on October 1st, they're released, Warner Brothers is releasing The Batman. Yeah. There's also going to be a Disney release. I don't know what, it just says untitled. Then October 15th, Halloween Kills. And then on October 22nd, Paramount Pictures is releasing a film called Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I have no idea what Snake Eyes is. I'm trying to find information as you're speaking. I think that's what they look at in these releases that um, is what are what are we releasing and is it going to affect potential? Snake Eyes is a G.I. Joe reboot. I was going to guess that. Oh, okay, okay. I know nothing. Oh, I, I've seen the G.I. Joe movies, but I didn't grow up on G.I. Joe. Didn't even okay. for me. Yeah, I think that's what it is, is they look at like how much, what they're marketing like overall so you know if they're releasing this film and they're expecting you know money but to make some big money they don't want to split up their films between them yeah, yeah. and then okay. just looking at something else for january 2022 i don't see anything in the release besides a sesame street movie as i'm looking february they're releasing thor uh, march they're releasing doctor strange late march mm-hmm. april matrix 4 and then may is originally was supposed to be Black Panther 2, rest in peace, Chadwick. And then you start seeing Disney movies, John Wick 4, all that's coming through May, June, Flash, Transformers in June, Captain Marvel 2, July, Indiana, Stan says Indiana Jones 5. Indiana yeah, July. I saw that. It's <laughs> like, what? So, and then even if you go into like October to- October 2022, there's also Halloween Ends, as we had talked about, and there's also Spider-Man Into the Universe 2 and another Disney film. Okay. Yeah, I mean, regardless of when they release it, I'm still going to go see it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So I guess we'll see if it's being done. Just It could just be done just because that could just be the earliest that they figured they could release it. And since people have been waiting a while for this, maybe they wanted to get out as soon as they could. But I guess we'll see. Moving on, the last bit of news. Hocus Pocus is getting a 4K Ultra HD September release, and Best Buy is getting an exclusive steelbook. So I'll probably be definitely getting that. Yeah, they can just redo a different cover of Hocus Pocus, and everybody will be on top of that. Exactly. <laughs> so mm. it's one of those films. <laughs> me, I'm I, I'm that customer. <laughs> You're like me. Hand goes up. <laughs> Literally, I have the 40th anniversary of, of the original Friday the 13th release, and it actually has like almost nothing different than the other one. But I still bought it because I'm a collector, and that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, I have like five versions of Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, five or six. So don't don't feel bad. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the news for today. So I guess we will get right into the review. Today we are reviewing 13 Ghosts, which was released in 2001 and was directed by Steve Beck. It's a remake of an original movie. I've actually never seen the original 13 Ghosts. I heard it's quite different, but also has some similarities. Released October 26, 2001, and it had a budget of $42 million, and it made $68.5 million at the box office. So without further ado, let's get into it. Maybe Rafkin was right. Maybe they're right. think about what you're saying. There's no such thing as ghosts.
speak. Why? Don't, don't move. What? Somehow, we are behind enemy lines. All right, so with the 13 Ghosts, the movie starts off in essentially an abandoned junkyard, and you have a ghost hunter whose name is Cyrus Kriakos, if I'm saying that correctly, who is a millionaire, and he's looking to trap the spirit of a ghost called a Juggernaut. And he has a psychic assistant who is Dennis Rafkin, who can feel spirits and can essentially see memories as well as parts of the future. His assistant is played by Matthew Lillard, who is, we know from the original screen movie as Stu Mock. Yes. Essentially, um, essentially what happens is that he has several men who's trying to capture the spirit into a, it looks like basically the equivalent of a telephone booth. And <laughs> I mean, that's what it looked like to me. It was a telephone booth. I don't know Indeed. if they thought something different. And then what happens is the Juggernaut spirit essentially starts killing everybody and they capture the, the spirit. But at the end of it, everybody's dead with the exception of Dennis, the, uh, played the psychic, as well as a, I don't, I'm looking for her name. It's Kalina. Yeah. Kalina, who is like another, uh, I can't remember the, what is the title she gave herself? Like spirit hunter or no? It's like a like a almost like a rescuer, like a like a freer. She frees spirits. It's like, yeah. You know, trap spirits. So yeah, I, yeah, one of those people. <laughs> In this opening scene, how'd y'all feel about the truck spraying blood everywhere? I, I didn't get that. Like, how is that gonna bait the ghost out? Yeah, like I said, I was going back. I mean, like we mentioned before, we were like different ages, very young when this movie came out. You know, like as a kid, you're like, oh, man, there's blood everywhere. And that kind of just gets you anyways. But going back as an adult, I'm just like, yeah, it made no sense to me. Um, It felt like they were baiting a shark. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. it's like more murder. Let's bring out the blood. I couldn't get past, uh, past the, the point that Cyrus was the villain from Last Action Hero. So I forgot that, you know, and like, I love that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So every time I like when I went back and watched it, I totally forgot that. But I kept that thinking about him having that glass eye with the smiley face on there. So like I, my mind was somewhere else on that whole part. But um, he's a really good villain. So I like the way the story kind of set up. It kind of has that like that grungy look. It's dark. You see people dying left and right. And you're just like, why is this guy going to harborage or this ghost and keep him as a prisoner when he's yeah. going? He's killing people left and right so i mean it's set up to a really cool movie especially for the time period i just like the soundtracks of these movies are just amazing when you go back to watch them. yeah hold on he's not the main villain from last action hero i thought he was he's the detective who turns on Arnold schwarzenegger that when they're at the funeral for the mobster and Arnold schwarzenegger tells him that there's like um you know there's something going on he tries to basically he's gonna oh shoot my Arnold God. schwarzenegger with the finger, when he snaps his finger and he's in the in the coffin, you talking about that part in the movie? Yeah, and so like during that whole that that sequence, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character goes up to a fellow detective, and he says, tells him everything like it's basically like a a hit that's gonna occur, and he walks him to like the back of the hotel and he's gonna shoot him, and that detective, he's the uncle in this film. I love that whole damn movie. I'm sorry. If you okay. guys have not seen the last action hero movie. <laughs> No, everything about that film is amazing. One of the things I really liked also, and just one of the things that was just a big pro for me for this whole movie, 
I love the way the Juggernaut looks and just pretty much all of the ghosts. They all looked wonderful. And watching the making of it, apparently they spent up to five hours or more uh, doing makeup for them every day. That's dedication. I always thought about that. I couldn't do that. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way I would have been that patient to do that much makeup. Real quick also, though, the uncle, Cyrus, he's also in Scarface. Yeah. He's the one who they end up believing that he's a mole or a formant, and they ended up killing him by throwing him out of the helicopter. Yeah, and Kalina, I didn't look it up, but isn't she Miss Honey from Matilda? Yes. (laughs) Okay, I was like, Matilda. (laughs) I did not recognize her. Wow. Oh, because like, she has short, she has short dark red hair in this one. Where when she's Miss Honey, she has that honey yeah. long straight hair. Oh my god, I can't believe that was Miss Honey. Who's also Kalina? Do you know who she also is from another? I would say horror slash comedy film. Uh-uh. She plays Sheila in Army of Darkness. Oh, oh, Steps, what? Huh. How did I not picture that? That was her first. That was her first major motion picture. Was Army of Darkness? Oh wow. Well, moving on. The film, basically at the end of this, the only one with Kalina, we see the, the Uncle Cyrus that ends up being killed. He almost basically gets equivalent to decapitated. Kalina and Dennis are the only one left. And then we fast track to a, a scene where we see uh, Tony Shalhoub, who we all know from Monk. His name's Arthur in the film, with his daughter, played by Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, her name's Kathy, as well as their son, Bobby, and his wife there in the background. And this is kind of where I got a little bit confused because there were so many jump cuts, in my opinion, or jump parts to another scene. Yeah. They're having this great time, and all of a sudden then we get to another scene where Tony Shalhoub, who in the film is Arthur, his daughter Kathy and son Bobby, they're like in this apartment, and they just seem miserable as can be. Before it got to that point, it was like going through, and you can hear in the background that there was a fire and her mom died. Correct, yes. From there... It seemed like they had a lot of financial trouble after the death of the mom, and then they had to move into a smaller, it looked like the equivalent of a one-bedroom apartment. You see Arthur, Kathy, Bobby, as well as, I believe her name was Maggie, who was the uh, babysitter. They're living nanny, which, here we go. This family has obvious financial troubles. Why do they have a live-in nanny? Because they're not that bad off. (laughs) (laughs) That part really confused me. I'm like, if you have like bills lined up on the wall in the background, the daughter is even like indicating credit card debt, but they have a live in nanny. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I put that two and two together, too. And I'm like, the kid got a lot of toys, too. Yeah, I was like, you gotta cut some corners there, Dad. You're not really, <laughs> you're not really trying as hard. But also, it's like a dad trips over the kid's scooter and he yells at him about having his toys in the floor. His daughter Kathy says that maybe if they had something bigger, uh, that they wouldn't have these problems. They like zoom out. You can clearly see a ton of space where they could have easily put that toy somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will say this though, in some some other defense, is that. This is, you see this a lot with parents who have kids where they have financial issues. But at the end of the day, you still have to have some form of childcare for your children. Yeah. So knowing just, I can understand because it's kind of like priorities because this kid, as we're going to get to, is a fucking pain in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, hold on. Let's stop for a second. But she can't even cook, though. 
<laughs> like, so what is their purpose? Just to make sure the kids still breathe at the end of the day? Like, that is well, such yeah, a waste of yeah, money. I mean, like, come on. Daddy not cook? Like, I mean, he's making bologna and peanut butter jelly sandwiches for the kids. As an older person, I would have been like, I'm done. I got to go to school. I'm not paying <laughs> for this kid. I didn't birth this kid. The nanny can't cook. I'm done. You should pay me. The part that also, like, confused me is they have these financial troubles. They have a live-in nanny. The daughter looks like she's old enough to take care of her kid brother <laughs> or get a job yeah also quick little note the daughter is played by shannon elizabeth who yeah. i know i remember from scary movie scary movie and then also american pie, american pie. yep american yeah. pie yep. yep she plays the foreign exchange student nadia in her first major film the corny d-rated film jack frost yeah i've seen that I've seen both of those Jack Frost. There's actually a horror movie called Jack Frost that's pretty interesting. Yes, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was interesting. It was definitely something. I, never, I didn't see the, the sequel to the Jack Frost one. To Jack yeah, Frost. I didn't either. Yeah. But um, he but I, did, I saw the first horror one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's my assumption was she was working, but it's never also said that she was working. Um, yeah. And at the time, you know, I know. You always, you always play with ages because this was done right around the same time as uh, no, it was right after American Pie 2, so it was like she had done the American Pie when she was like as high school and two years later she did um, 13 Ghosts, so it's yeah. like um, you always see people who are older play high school kids, like I had like I had saw uh, on a different tangent, the the Netflix original movie, The Kissing Booth with my wife. And like all these kids are in high school, and then you look up their ages, like that kid's fucking thirty. What are you talking about? He's a high school kid. <laughs> it happens all the time. Like, or the other one too is um, oh fuck, I, I shouldn't say this, but I am. Like when I was younger, watching Hannah Montana, like you see the, <laughs> the brother. <laughs> I knew I should have fucking said it, but her brother is like sixty four or something like that. He's like so old. It's like, dude, you're like, a, you're like a middle school kid, and you're like thirty. Well, that's what like our, when, when like okay, when Cyrus died and he showed his obituary, they were like, what he was like fifty seven. I said, bro, that guy is like sixty eight years old. Yeah, he was not fifty seven. Get out of here. He was like ARP, definitely certified, seventy something years old when he died. Yeah. Also, Cyrus died. Well, yeah, we was like somewhat <laughs> decapitated. You know what I mean? Like we assume. <laughs> He died at this point. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah, we're like way too much on this. But eventually what happens is as they're talking, there's a knock on the door, and it's the uh, a lawyer of the late uncle, Cyrus. Well, we end up finding out his name was Ben Ross. And we yeah. find out that Arthur, his uncle, is Cyrus, and left him his mansion. So they decide to, well, let's go check it out about to try to move into this house. So they end up taking them, they said it was a few hours away from where they lived in the city, and you they get to the house, this mansion, and it's this entire insane property that's built out of glass. When you see it from a visual perspective, it looks amazing, but at the same time, you're like, who the hell builds a house out of glass? <laughs> so... But also, like straight from the start, when you get up here and the glass and the, you see the house made of glass and you see all the Latin phrases inscribed on it, that's when you just nope the fuck out. Dude, the door ate the key. 
<laughs> okay, he puts the key in and the door ate it. Like you didn't even ask questions. You're just like, ah, okay, automatic door. Yeah. Like, dude, dead trap. I'm sorry. Worst dad ever. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's maybe a high tech security, so like, you know yeah. <laughs> you need you need to have leave the key in the system in order to keep it running. <laughs> but I mean they, as they enter the property, they put as you said, they put the key in the door. And the entrance opens up, which is, again, this entire house is built out of glass. Oh, and we're forgetting every- that Arthur is there checking on the power because the power is out in the city and he thinks it's caused by the house. Yes, Dennis, the Matthew Lillard character. Yeah, sorry, Dennis. You're 100% right. He's there, greets him at the house and telling him that there's like a major electrical malfunction. They need to check the power grid because they believe it's coming from this house, which if you see the house and the minute the lights turn on, you're, this thing looks like it's powering up a, a giant department store. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with how much electricity and everything is being ran. So they enter they enter into the property as they enter this like a double doors and you see you basically see all the way around. And the first thing that Arthur's character has says is like the uncle didn't believe in privacy or something like that because you literally when the lights come on you can see every single aspect of this house which the only exception seems to be the bathroom because the bathroom as we find out later the bathroom seemed to have like a uh, i'm trying to think of the correct term but it's like snow like snowed glass like the yeah the privacy film glass type of thing yeah 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 so as they enter they start looking through the house and the kids, the nanny, Maggie, the kid, Bobby, who, why the fuck is this kid allowed to have his scooter inside of a glass house? <laughs> so that's a whole, like, that right there is just, like, doesn't make any sense. I would have just told like, hey, you can leave that son bitch on the outside before you get to the door. <laughs> and then Kathy, and then they're, like, kind of looking the house, but then the lawyer, Ben, takes Arthur into the study so they can go over paperwork. And this is the part where Dennis, the psychic, as he's he's looking for money, correct? Like he's looking for something left over from the uncle and he starts going into like the basement looking for something. Um, I think this is when Dennis like had that small seizure because when he gets up, he's like, where's the suit? Yes. Because he tells because Dennis is looking for something and then he comes back and tells him that you need to get the hell out of the house. And then Arthur touches him. And then he has a seizure, and that's when he gets up, and then the lawyer is gone, and the lawyer goes into the basement looking for money. Yeah. And, and as he's going to, and as he goes into the basement, then all of a sudden we see all these ghosts that are trapped in these pods, and he starts taunting them. Specifically, the ones I remember was the um, torn prints, the torn prints, but also the the woman. The angry princess. Yes. And the lawyer goes into this room. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, we see this, like, this giant... It looks like a giant organ. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what it looked he, like to me as well. He picks up a briefcase and opens it and has cash. But as soon as he does that, he sets off a chain reaction where now the ghosts and the, the ghosts are released and the house starts shifting. And, this, and then we see this giant machine with gears turns on. And as he leaves that area, then he gets confronted by the angry princess who has an ice pick or a knife. And then that's where the first killing happens, where the lawyer backs up and all of a sudden the glass doors closes 
and literally cuts him in half. Yeah. He literally gets cut directly in the middle. And I thought it was one of the coolest death scenes I've seen in a while. It still holds up as one of my favorite death scenes in all of horror. It's up there for me. Like, it's one of my favorites, especially in this movie. Yeah, I liked it because, I mean, it plays on the whole, the realism of when things happen like that, you get severed brain damage and you can still yeah. move and you're still coherent for seconds after everything, you know? So, yeah. like, they played on something that's pretty plausible, which is kind of cool in a sense. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to add on that for Dennis, his clairvoyancy, when he gets touched, he's, you know, like you said, he, he sees things. He can see the death, but he also sees a little bit into the future. He sees people's past. So, yeah, that goes on the whole clairvoyancy, which it has to do with touch. And that's played a lot in with psychics and mediums. So I like the fact that he had the whole package in clairvoyancy. And sometimes they play mediums where you only can sense a ghost, but he had the full like the guy was tormented by what he had you know the experiences he had which we see him he's like off his medication he's edgy he knows that this this whole situation was bad but unfortunately he even mentioned that cyrus understood him because people like him are also looked at as freaks so it's kind of sad to see his position in the movie where he didn't know that his skills could possibly be used in a good sense it was one of those things I, i always liked his character especially in this movie because oh, he yeah. just looked like he looked very demented, very troubled, and he just he wanted out. <laughs> he didn't want to have yeah, this power. Think, yeah, I don't think they could have casted anyone better than Matthew Lillard to play this character. He just has like this presence about him where he can play a comedian. Like literally, if you if you look at this role that he has in this movie, it's basically like a radar version of him playing Shaggy at Scooby Doo. He even has some funny comedy lines in this. Like, I love whenever he tells Arthur that there's ghosts in the house, and Arthur's just like repeating ghosts in here. And he's like, Yes, ghosts in this house. If they were at the neighbor's house, I wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's so ignorant. But it's like how we all feel at this point. Like, dude, you literally stepped into a glass house with Latin scribe everywhere. <laughs> you know, and like this is like, you know, hypothetically speaking, that there are movies inside this universe. I'm pretty sure you might have seen a movie that can tell you that this might not be a good situation. You know what I mean? So like it, what came back for me when I was watching this movie, it was just like. The ghosts are amazing, and we'll get into that. Like the ghosts are totally amazing, but man, Arthur's character—I wanted to pound him over the head. He kept to say he's a math teacher. I'm a math teacher, so I was like, why didn't they play on that either? Like the timing of the shifting of the house, they could have played yeah. on it because he mentioned that. And I felt like the re- there should have been a relevancy to why he kept on saying, "Well, I think logical because I'm a math teacher." Okay, well, logically. You could have started like pinpointing how the, the house moved, how it started like, you know, changing its, its rooms and dimensions. And it could have played into what we'll get to is, you know, the final scenes of the movie a little more believable from his part. Cause man, I felt like he was a horrible parent up to this point. So we get to the situation where now that the ghosts are getting out, we see that Dennis has a pair of glasses and he sees these ghosts and he's trying to leave. But then what happens is as Arthur's trying to also leave because as the house is shifting, he just wants out of it. Then he loses his children because the kid takes off on a scooter and is going downstairs in the basement. And then Kathy is in the bathroom. Then we start seeing like these jump scares or jump cuts with the angry princess being in the bathtub as Kathy is trying to like immerse herself in the water from the tub and is just excited about this amazing bathroom. Yeah. And so as he's turning around and out, Bobby's missing and Dennis is trying to leave and Arthur tells him like, well, if you help me find my son, then you'll get the money that you asked for. I'll pay you whatever my uncle owes you. And then that's when they start going downstairs and essentially all hell's break loose as they go down to the basement area. 
as the ghosts are starting to leave. And Dennis is really scared of the jackal as the jackal is released. And it wasn't until the jackal attacks Kathy that Arthur understands that something's going on. And now we also see the spirit liberator, Kalina, ends up coming to the house and is able to help save Arthur and Kathy from Juggernaut. Yeah. Not Juggernaut, the jackal. The Jackal is one of my favorites. I love the way he looks, and this has always been one that if I was skilled enough, I wanted to do for Halloween. Also, pretty important scene, whenever Bobby gets called down to the basement and he, he puts on the glasses and he starts seeing the ghost, he gets scared by the bound woman. But then when he gets knocked down, he sees the withered lover, which is actually the ghost of his mother, Jean. Mm-hmm. And a little interesting thing about this, I mean, this could just be because she died in the hospital. Her ghost is carrying... And IV, her ghost is the fourth ghost in the Black Zodiac, and IV is the Roman numeral for four. Oh, I like that connect. That was a yep. good connect. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy connects like that. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to the angry princess real quick because I really like her. Um, but yeah. when she was in the washroom, Kathy, yeah. I love how she was like putting the water and the water turns into blood because she's actually sitting in there. I just like that scene, the dynamic when she still thinks the house is perfectly normal. And that's before she gets attacked by the jackal. And it's just, man, the way the ghost she looks the angry princess like she's looking at her like why don't you see me and she's getting angry angry and the point where she starts to shake and then she has her knife and she's about to stab her and she pulls back i love that whole scene i just like how she's throwing the water and it's turned into blood it just for me that plays into a really yeah. big ghost story and i like how they play on the fact that she still doesn't see the dangers that are looming around her and her family also what i didn't get about that was like whenever the angry princess went to attack her i think arthur calls kathy and then she disappears why didn't she just continue to try and attack them it's building up to it yeah so let's break down the ghost real quick but as because it happens in the movie so in the movie after kalina saves them they gather in the library and Arthur learns through Kalina that his wife, Jean, is a ghost, the fourth ghost, as you mentioned, and that it was Dennis helped trap Arthur's wife because yeah. the uncle is collecting these ghosts. And Kalina explains that the house is a machine powered by the 12 ghosts they collect. The machine is powering is something that I believe is, is it called the Hell's Eye? Arcanium. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a machine that was built by the devil and powered by the dead. And apparently the whole machine was built through somebody who wrote a book under demonic possession. What happens is up to that point, the machine powered by the ghost is able to see the past, present and future. Yeah, it opens up hell's eyes. Hell's eyes. Yeah. So once it's turned on, which the machine is now on, you can't turn it off. And the only way to shut it down is through the creation of the 13 ghosts which is the 13 ghosts is created from the sacrifice of love. And Arthur realizes that the only way that his children are going to get out is if he becomes a 13 ghost by sacrificing himself to the machine. Yeah. So the 12 ghosts that are powering this machine because of the black Zodiac, they each had to be a specific spirit. So you have the first ghost, which was the firstborn son. And he was a, he is a bratty boy whose name is Billy Michaels. Billy Michaels who love to pretend to be a cowboy. And what happens is that he ends up being shot by a real arrow that kills him. 
he's not really a threat. He just wants to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second ghost is the torso, which is one of the weirdest ones. Yeah. The torso is a gambler named Jimmy Gambino who was caught by uh, the attention of the mafia after he lost a bet and didn't pay it. So the mafia cut him up. And as we see him, as we see the torso, he's actually wrapped in saran wrap and his body literally is just a torso and a head that's somewhere near his body the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. We he have, was him in the ocean after the mafia dismembered him. Then we also have the bound woman who's the third ghost. And according to this, that her name was Susan Legro was one of the richest girls in town and used boys and men as, as a plaything. And then during one night, she was killed by an ex lover. And this ghost is the one that is lures Bobby into the basement. Yeah. So then we have the fourth one is the withered lover who is Arthur's wife, Jean. She's a benevolent ghost. She isn't dangerous. We have the fifth one is a torn prince. He was a famous gifted baseball player. He died in an accident. This brake line was cut. Yeah, he was killed in a drag race where his brake line was cut, and he pretty much drugged by his car. This is actually probably my favorite ghost. We had then the angry princess, who was one of the first ghosts that showed herself to us. She was a beautiful woman who had multiple plastic surgeries, and she killed herself in the bathtub after a botched experiment. Yeah. The sixth ghost was the pilgrim mess who is a North American colonist who was an orphan. And she was trapped in a burning bar, but managed to escape. And she died of starvation after being condemned. Then we saw the great child. who was a special needs child who never outgrew diapers. Him and his mother was killed. That was both the seventh and eighth ghost, correct? Seventh yeah. and eighth or eighth ninth. Mm-hmm. Then we had the hammer, who was a blacksmith, falsely accused of stealing. They chained him to a tree, and they drove railroad spikes through his entire body. This may be my favorite ghost because, one, he looked scary as shit, and he was a monster, and he carried a sledgehammer around, if I'm not mistaken. He got accused of stealing, and so they cut his hand off, and where his hand was, they put a sledgehammer. And then he ended up killing the people who did that to him. And so then that's when he got tied up to the tree and railroad spikes drove through him. So technically, even though he's a big scary ghost, he's one of them who didn't really do anything that bad. He killed the people, but you know, it was people that wrongfully accused him and then cut his hand off. After that, we have the jackal, who was the one who attacked Kathy. Mm-hmm. And this was a man who was born from a prostitute in the late 1800s, developed an appetite for attacking and killing women. He was... Um, Voluntarily went to a mental institution to cure his problem, but the medical practices made it worse. And we saw him in a straitjacket as well as a uh, cubic head cage around him. For some reason, when I saw the jackal, I don't know why, but it reminded me of the girl from Exorcist. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had that look. And I don't know. And so when it like after reading about it later, it's like, oh, it's a guy. And I was completely thrown off. I was like, I literally thought this was like a possessed woman. Yeah. Because it reminded me so much of The Exorcist oh. for some reason. Funny story. The first time I ever watched this movie when I was a kid, I misheard what they called the jackal. Whenever Kalina calls him Charlie Manson of Ghost, I thought when I was a kid she said Charlie Manson's Ghost. So mm-hmm. then I was super confused throughout most of my life when I learned that Charles Manson was still alive. 
So it's like, <laughs> why was his ghost in 13 Ghosts if he's not dead? <laughs> it wasn't until like later on when I rewatched the movie years later that I heard her say the Charlie Manson of Ghost. <laughs> I remember that part too, and it kind of like confused me. I'm like, but wait. He's alive, so why is he referring to? I mean, because technically Charles Manson, he's a crazy person, but he never really killed that many people. Yeah, it's everybody else, you know. But yeah, I really enjoyed the great child and the mother because he killed and went crazy because they killed his mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was, and I I like the, I like when they go to the circus type of carny feel. Like when I read his story, I kind of already was picturing in my mindset like that very grungy yeah. carny feel and just the maltreatment of everybody within the circus that he worked and yeah they picked on the wrong big guy the really great stories but i really like that one because it kind of felt like something you would see out of american horror yeah i could see that put in like the circus or something like that so i really like that but yeah the jackal is probably one of my favorites too like you said kyle making a costume like that would have been awesome <laughs> oh yeah i wanted to i haven't been able to yet but uh moving on after the hammer we have the juggernaut jr Yes, that's the last one as, as of, the, of the 12 ghosts. He was an individual who was abandoned at a young age, and he is that put into work in a junkyard because he had a usual strength to crush cars. After his dad died, he went insane. He would literally kill motorists and hitchhikers with his bare hands and feed them to his dogs. He was arrested, and a SWAT team shot and killed him when he broke free of his handcuffs. And his ghost remnant remains in the junkyard after he was killed. And this is where this basically takes back to the beginning of the film was a juggernaut killed the entire team that was led by Cyrus with the exception of Kalina and Dennis. Yeah. So those are the 12 ghosts that, that are powering this machine that Kalina explains as part of the Black Zodiac to help power the machine. Essentially, Arthur convinces himself that he has to sacrifice himself to save his children, and they go to the basement, Arthur and Dennis does, to find his children. And as they get there, the Juggernaut is released, and Dennis sacrifices himself by barricading Arthur behind the special glass partition of the house that has the Latin spells written on it that protects them from the ghosts and protects rooms of the ghosts being able to enter. And the Juggernaut kills Dennis in this film by, by beating him badly and breaking his back against the wall. What's funny about that scene is... Going back to the beginning of the movie, when you meet Dennis, he says he has to check on the breaker, and he ends up getting broken in half as his death. That's such a good connection, too. <laughs> I like the part where he first gets attacked, and I think it's with the torn prints, right? With the bat and everything, he first gets attacked yeah. when he's with uh, yeah, Maggie, yeah. the nanny. Yeah. And I thought it was funny in the beginning when they were yelling. He's like, you can't yell. No one's going to hear you. This is soundproof glass. And then it's funny because in that part, she's screaming, duck. And he's like, what? And it's like, oh, my God, we just went over this. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> she's like screaming, telling him to move but and stuff like that. And it's funny because she's telling him what to do. And it almost gives you the assumption that she, he could hear her. But I'm like, yeah. wait, didn't we just get told that this was soundproof glass? <laughs> so then we end up finding out during this whole part, Maggie's with Kalina and Kalina knocks out Maggie. We find out that Kalina was a partner of Cyrus and is trying to keep this machine activated. We end up finding out is that Cyrus isn't dead. He faked his own death to lure his nephew and his family into the house and that the 13th ghost doesn't stop the machine. It activates the machine. He's intentionally going to use Arthur's children 
to bait Arthur into essentially sacrificing himself, which will allow the machine to turn on. Arthur realizes this because he sees his uncle through the glasses and then takes off his glasses and sees that his uncle still his uncle's still there. And then he gets into a fight with his uncle as both the children are being held within the contents of the machine as the ghosts are powering it. I really wish they would explain better how Cyrus faked his death because he looked pretty fucking dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was. I was like, is that wedged in his neck? I was <laughs> <laughs> the part that threw me off was why is he still a dead? Like, why didn't he take a sh- He's still wearing the stuff that he yeah. supposedly died in. Why, is he, why does he look like he hasn't taken a shower in three weeks? <laughs> that was a part, and I guess it was maybe for us at home, it's like, oh, Arthur's seeing his uncle through these glasses, so maybe that's what's throwing us off that he's thinking he's seen his dead uncle because everybody... Yeah. Everybody that's all the ghosts in this film are all shown as how they died, mm-hmm. including including you know his wife Jean. So I, I that does make sense. That's like well, he, if that's how he died, that's how you see him. But it just I don't know. It was weird because we didn't see Cyrus until towards the end of the film, and I think Arthur's only saw him. So I don't think they ever said to Arthur how his uncle died. Yeah. Also, how does Cyrus hide in an all-glass house that you can see through? Well, not just that, but how does he protect himself from all the ghosts as the ghosts are going through the house, especially the basement? Yeah. You think they're like, oh, hey, here's the asshole who entrapped us. So after it's revealed that Cyrus is actually alive, he actually, as as the house begins to shift a final time, and as it shifts, it squashes and kills Kalina between two glass partitions. Yeah, I think he did that on purpose. I guess. Oh, he he triggered he triggered the glass being moved. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Because he cut. triggered the he oh. triggered the activation of the machine, which allowed the glass partitions to shift, and that's what killed Kalina. It reminded me of the scene in I think it was Saw Five, where the detective gets killed in the room that starts to close in. Yeah, yeah, I remember that kill. That was pretty insane. That's the one where the guy who's actually doing everything hides in the ice chest. And so then, like, when the guy gets squished in the room, the blood drips down onto the ice chest. As we're getting towards the end of the film, Arthur, he's fighting with his uncle Cyrus. Maggie, who is now is awakened after being knocked out, starts to disrupt the machine's controls, which starts allowing the machine to go haywire and releasing the ghost from the power. Dennis, who is now a ghost now, encourages and tells Arthur to jump into the machine and trust himself to save his children. And as this happens, the 12 ghost spirits go after Cyrus and they end up throwing Cyrus into the rings that are part of Hell's Eye. And after that happens, Arthur jumps between the machine, the walls shatter, the machine falls apart, and the day is saved where Arthur, Maggie, Kathy, and Bobby are safe from the ghosts. It frees the ghosts, their spirits are allowed to go into the next world. And Arthur is allowed to say goodbye to his wife, Jean, as well as Dennis. Yeah, because Dennis shows up as a ghost later on. At the very end, yes. Yeah. And so once that's done, they leave the house. And at the very, very end, Maggie says, I quit this nanny job. (laughs) One of my pet peeves for this movie. So the end where Arthur jumps through the rings at the right time and saves his family. When him and his family are in that middle thing and everything's exploding, because of them being in the middle is why they were able to survive. How the hell did Maggie survive? She was like right there by the machine. 
<laughs> when it exploded. Oh, yeah, that thing totally exploded by her face. Like, yeah, she was in that same damn room. And then my other peep about him jumping, going back to the thing I said about math, if, like, he would have started timing things or seeing the rotation, like, how the hell, like, you just got your, your he almost got his ass kicked by his uncle that he yeah. thought was dead. And then you're going to be like, I timed it perfectly. No, I'm sorry. You didn't time it perfectly. Now, if you would have played on the fact that he had match and could actually see times and variations of movements and timed it out, it give us a second where he's timing it a little better than counting the ghosts in the circle. Yeah, we, they're all there. You don't have to count them, dude. And then he jumps. I would have been like, okay. Then I would be like, all right. It made sense that they kept on saying he's a math teacher. Like, that was the only part that I had, like, a peep about, that I really wanted him to have this character arc. Yeah. But I felt like your daughter got attacked by the same damn ghost. She's over there bleeding out with your son and this ring that she was trapped for. I don't know how long from the time she went missing till the time that he found them. Yeah, you got attacked, but your natural instinct to protect your kid should have kicked in and you should have demolished your uncle. But instead, he's like hitting you down. Dude looks like he's 70 something years old. So that was my problems with the with the story. I did like how it ended with the mom there and it, it felt good. And yeah, I had a problem with Arthur's complete character. Can you imagine there having a scene where like Arthur pulls out a piece of paper and starts like writing out an equation? It's like solve for X. You know, or he could have just counted out like you know how they make the Spider Man meme where he's like thinking and he's like doing yeah. the equations in the sky. Like he could have been like, okay, you know, yeah. like look at the, the angles of the way it's moving. I mean, because that thing looked like, like I said, a death trap. So yeah. I'm sorry, there's no way. I would have seen him jumping in there and succeeding because it was going way faster than the moment he did jump. But, you know, it's a movie. I assumed it was just a leap of faith. And the other thing I would also say, I mean, I'm sorry, but damn, this little boy was annoying as shit. <laughs> like, he obsessed with death. And I, my biggest issue was like, this kid needs just to get slapped in the mouth. You're not listening. Pop! Because he never listened to this whole film. Like, this entire film is, is literally made on the basis of this kid not listening and going into the basement when they told him to stay to stay put. Yeah. All these damn kids. All these kids should have got ass whoopings. And they did. No stranger danger. The dude is like traveling through basements. I'm sorry. As a kid, I was always scared of like everybody's basement. Yeah. The kid is just going left and right through these tunnels, not even concerned that people would be looking for him, disregarding everything. Couldn't even when he didn't find his nanny. And I'm like, dude, you just lost your nanny. Like, you should be scared that you're like, oh, man, dad's really going to get mad because, you know, I lost Maggie. Didn't even yeah. care. Just kept going. Just kept going. Oh. kept on scooting. One of my big issues, the ending, where you see all the ghosts walking out and then they disappear. Unless this is, like, freeing their spirits to, like, move on to the afterlife. Did they just go back to where they were before they were captured? Most of them are are harmless, and most of them didn't really do anything bad, so it wouldn't have been to worry about. So for the juggernaut, who apparently killed like forty people. <laughs> oh yeah, he went. I, the first thing I thought was like that dude's gonna go back to killing. Overall, I remember really enjoying this as, as a kid. On the rewatch, I enjoyed it too. I think it kind of went down a little bit for me th than what I originally thought, but overall, I thought it was a really good movie. I think I'll give this three ghosts out of five. I'm going to give it a 3.5 because piggybacking off of what Kyle said, it held up in the sense that I like movies like this that have tangible bad guys, meaning that they're not CGI or computerized. Things like Resident Evil, where looking back at certain things, you're like, oh, that didn't age well. But like yeah. the premise of the movie is still good. I love the fact that the actors got dressed up in their costumes. And that alone is the reason why you could still look back at a movie from what was it, 2001? Yeah. 
and yeah. still appreciate it pretty pretty good like it wasn't it's still it's not a bad movie it holds up so yeah i gave it the 0.5 for the fact is that i really do respect uh non-cgi movies when it comes to horror the costumes and practical effects in this movie really are a huge pro in why it still holds up even for a 2001 movie I think the effects, the visual effects, the production value, the set of the house was amazing. You know, we look at almost 20 years since this film was shot. I want someone to show me another horror film that has something comparable to this, because I think this was very well done as far as that part. I can even buy into, you know, when you think of Tony Shalhoub, you really don't think of somebody that's a villain. I remember him in Spy Kids. Am I the only one? I forgot about that. Even recognize him. Yes, he was. He was like that weird doctor <laughs> that went to school with Antonio Banderas and yes. became like the villain. Oh wow! Oh god, I hate you for that. But I forgot all about that. So I can buy him. I can buy him and be in the horror film because he's the concerned dad. I can buy Shannon Elizabeth because you know she definitely played like that final girl in the sense. Maggie was a comic relief that we've come to kind of see in a lot of horror films after Child's Play three. Yeah. But if you look at the films, kind of what make a horror film, as a kid, if you saw this, you know, whether you're 10, 11, 12, you're like, man, this looks scary. I should because these ghosts are horrifying. Being a 32-year-old man, it reminds me, like, the only comparison I can give, and this is, I hate to bring you wrestling on this, but it reminds me, like, watching No Holds Barred as a kid. and like, oh, this is, like, a great film. And then you watch it older, you're like, this film sucks. <laughs> like it's just it's not scary i didn't i feel like there was no like jump scares i felt that you know we look at it besides the opening scene there's only two deaths and the first one was amazing the second one you knew it was coming because he was getting his ass whooped yeah and i'm sorry and then the uncle dies at the end through the as he goes through the rings so there's three deaths after the end i felt like they should have gave more of a backstory on the ghost because none of the backstories are really put on there with the exception nope. of his wife. I think if they would have focused more on that, it just felt like the movie was, I don't want to say rush. It just felt like we're just going through the motion. Honestly, with the whole black Zodiac, for those who don't know, the explanation we gave with the ghosts is not in the movie at all. It's in the special features of the movie. It honestly seems like with the backstory they gave them that this movie was supposed to be different than what it was. And maybe they just didn't have time to do it. So then they just did this. I'm with everybody who has been asking a lot on social media for it. I think Netflix should do a, a series where each episode detail each one of these ghosts because they have extensive backstories. And it's great because you can go through their whole life, how they died. And then we can even go through and show people coming across them before Cyrus captured them. I'm with you. I think they should have added more backstory on the ghost in the movie. It would have been a lot better. That's really about it. I totally agree with the backstory part because I'm the firm believer if I have to be explained something after the movie, after the fact, then you fail at delivering the, a major part of a movie. Like, I'm not yeah. going to throw in Star Wars, but I'm going to say Star Wars because they did a lot of explaining after the last movie to justify why <laughs> characters did stuff. And if you have to tell me after, and it's special features, that means production you better. So they had to put that in. And another thing is I really, really enjoy pieces of the movies. What I mean by that is like movie parts that are like the set. So Guillermo del Toro is really big on drawing a lot of his characters and sketching out and creating things in his own sketchbooks. I yeah. really enjoyed the book that Kalina had 
when she opened it up and it had all the pictures and all the drawings of these ghosts and it showed how old this idea of this machine was and having something like that even to sell to fans and things like that to give you more of a lore of the movie would have been so appealing so if they ever do a Netflix I would love for them to sell a version of this book so we actually have those scripts and those drawings and things like that I really love pieces of movies that you can actually have like with the Babadook the Babadook yeah. book is a book that I have. I love the fact that you could buy that book. And then when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, crap, you're, you know, you're following along as she's reading it. So it was one of those little things that I kind of really would have enjoyed back then if they actually would have created the book, which I hope maybe they will in the future. Speaking of the book scene where they're showing the book and showing the ghost, there's a screw up in that scene. When they show the drawing for the jackal and then they cut to what ghost it is, they show a different ghost. And in the book, the Juggernaut is referred to as Titan and not the Juggernaut, which was odd. You're right. I still need to give my ratings because I still, like I said, was getting along with Amateur. I'll give it a three, all based on the production value, the sets, the, I think the great costumes, the great special makeup effects, whatever you want to call it, of all the ghosts. I thought they found the right evil uncle. I I completely support Tony Shalhoub being, you know, the... You know, father that was trying to protect his children. Maggie was great, but I feel like we had 90 minutes. I mean, it could have been done shorter because I feel like there was nothing being told. Yeah. Like, I think there was parts that could have been cut out and could have been revisions. I definitely am interested in seeing the original. And the original, the title is a little bit different because this is called 13 Ghosts and it's spelled out 13. The original is called 13, but the nu- the numeral 13. Mm-hmm. It was from 1960, and I'm interested to see how that film was compared to this one. You know, everything I basically said is very similar to a lot of the reviews um, that I received that a lot of people praised the production value and the effects and the set, but they felt like the story was just not very good. And that's just how I felt. I, I felt there was a lot missing from it. I think this movie could have been a lot better if they would have upped the kill count. Like you said, three people died if you don't count the opening scene where it's just kind of just random people being thrown around. The one thing I would say very similar to the original is this film had the uncle, the lawyer, the nanny, the father, and the two children, and Dennis and Kalina. So that's eight people. And just based on looking at the original, the original had seven people. This film has, comparatively speaking, has a very small number of actors and actresses. I don't know, it's, it's just a tough film because the way everything's done, it's like, what do you cut out, what do you add, and how long do you need to make this film to make it make sense? Like, do we need an extra 30 minutes? Would this have been better as a series instead of a film? Oh yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I felt like really bad because I feel like we completely shit on this film. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, there's art. There, it is... There's a lot, there is good to this film. Like I said, I, I can't stress enough how much I love the set and I love the production value of it. But um, it, it's still worth the watch, though. Like anybody listening that hasn't seen it, it's worth the watch because it, we go back to the fact that it's 2001 and it actually holds up. I mean, we've seen worse movies come out of Netflix that are supposed to be horror based. Like, honestly, like at least just try to have some sort of depth to it. They They missed the mark. But they still have time to rectify it if they decide to do a series or something about the ghost. There's still time to build off of what they had or even reboot it and take the premise and do another version of it. But I really would hope that they didn't do like CGI ghosts. Just don't do that. To wrap this up, who was everybody's favorite ghost? Mine was the Torn Prince. I'm going to stick with the Angry Princess. I dig the vibe. She was demented looking, so. 
I just like the hammer. I think he just looked just very immense. Like, it was weird because you see the hammer, you see the juggernaut, and I'm like, the hammer should have been the juggernaut because the hammer just looks vicious like he was going to break people in half. And the yeah. juggernaut looks like a small version of Frankenstein. And so, I mean, especially when they put all the, the brutal spikes to his body, he just looked just horrific. And so that, that was my favorite was the hammer. But the Angry Princess, I gotta go, that was another one because she looked like somebody that's gonna haunt you till the day you die. Oh yeah, she's gonna be a dead house. Like, if she was a haunted house ghost, like, no, nah, you're not gonna expel her. She's there. This wraps our review of 13 Ghosts. I think we unanimously give it three out of five. Thank you all for joining us. Next episode, we will be reviewing Scream, which we're all excited about. And we'll have a very special guest on that episode. I won't reveal who it is. We'll let you find out on that episode. It's going to be a real fun one. One of our good friends. Thank you all for listening to us. And to end this, make sure you check out some of our friends in other podcasts, such as Dead in Santa Carla podcast. We came from Beneath the Sea podcast podcast scream queens podcast check out the slash cast podcast network it's one of my favorites anybody else have any closing plugs wear a mask and wash your hands save halloween as you watch scream definitely watch the movie before you follow with us because yes. this one is probably going to be the second favorite one that we ever do scream is my second favorite horror film so this is going to be a lot of fun i would not be surprised if our review of scream with how much fun we're going to have is going to you know the time we're going to put into it it's just going to be a party because it's, it's going to be so much fun i can't wait for us to do this one so yeah um but definitely watch screen before you get in with us to hear our review. Also, before we close, you've probably heard the commercial at the start of the podcast. And if you listened to the last episode, you heard the commercial at the start. If you ever need any audio or video services, check out my friend Carmen Childers at CarmenChildersAVTech.com. He'll work with any budget, and it's probably some of the best audio and video person that I believe that you can hire. And with that, thank you for listening, and stay creepy. Goodbye and good night. Bang. <laughs> I had to throw in the Kenny.